Howdy. So one of the things that, uh, you know, in, in thinking about First Thessalonians 5, and one of the things that stands out is this idea of being ready because Jesus is coming. And one of the things that always stood out to me about that was what it was that I was always worried about being ready for as a child. And for me, that was whenever dad came home. See, there are different stages of life where at different times, you might not be sure what to expect when dad gets home. You see, whenever you're really, really little and you're excited that dad's going to get there because you can play, you can go do things together, it's going to be great. But then you get older and you start realizing that the trouble that you've caused isn't quite as cute as when you were a little kid. And then you start to think, well, dad's getting home, oh no, what was I supposed to get done before he got here? So you're starting to think, okay, is this when I needed to have my room clean? Is this whenever I needed to get the laundry done or help mom with some dishes? And so, of course, you know, at that point, you're trying to last minute make sure that everything gets put away as quickly as you can. And you never knew how quickly you could get the toys in the box. You uh, didn't realize that you could shove all the laundry into the machine really, really quickly. And you also realized that, you know, maybe those dishes, if I at least put them in the sink, and then at least looks like I'm partway done with it, right? Or even more than that is also asking, is there any reason why I might be in trouble when he gets home? Because that's never a good thing. So, of course, I'm thinking to myself, well, is there anything I did to my sister that I know I'm going to be in trouble for when he gets here? And so then the whole time I'm kind of racking my brain, thinking, oh, no, was there anything? And then pausing and saying, well, maybe if she did something to me, then it'll all balance out and it'll be okay. So then, of course, you have to go back and make sure that you uh, tease your sister and get her to end up doing something to you before your dad gets there. He's on his way. Okay, how can I tease my sister just enough? The thing is, is that whenever we think about being ready for the arrival of our father, is that also oftentimes we miss out on the reason why that comes up so much with Jesus is this idea of being held accountable, being held to a standard of saying, what is it that I'm going to be expected to do when Jesus returns? And one of the things that we talked about last week is that, you know, with it is whenever we think about how we live out our lives today, we're thinking about what I do with my body, my mind, my spirit. Everything that we do with ourselves is a testimony to who God is. And so last week, in the First Thessalonians passage, we were talking about things like sexual immorality, which is a very difficult topic, but more than anything was trying to focus on the fact that what we do with ourselves, including our body, matters to God because everything is a gift from God. But even more than that is that there were people that had passed away that were... You know, like before Jesus had come back again and people wondered, well, Jesus hasn't come back yet. What's going to happen to those who already died? And so Paul is trying to point out to them that when Jesus comes back, the dead will rise along with us. And the thing with this is in looking at the passage that we have from chapter 5 is that it's really coming out of this idea of not to be distracted and not to be so drawn by everything else that we miss out on what God is calling us to today. How many opportunities are there in our lives today, not only to serve God, but also to speak of his salvation to others, but we're so distracted with every hobby, 
every idea, everything that can end up pulling us away. But you see, even more than that is that we can oftentimes take what we think about for the end times and we can end up coming up with all sorts of ideas about it. So I wanted to make sure I explained a few things here. You see, passages like this are oftentimes taken to come up with many different ideas about what's going to happen when Jesus returns. Now, a lot of these you may have seen uh, different books, different movies and the like. Um, we grew up in this uh, fundamentalist uh, Christian home, and it was funny. Uh, my sister sent me a meme and was like, you know, why is it that you know fundamentalist Christian children have all these different emotional issues? And it's like, shows all of the books, the Frank Peretti series and the Left Behind series and anything and everything in between. And it's like every single moment, is there something else that we were supposed to be afraid of? I, as a child, I was told, don't get a credit card. That's probably the mark of the beast. Uh, we, we were told at one point to be careful about microchipping your dog, that that somehow was leading down that path, or cell phones, that cell phones were going to be the, the, the end times of everything. No matter what happened, I even had to be careful about what cartoons that I watched. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came up. Oh, that, that got banned after about a year. I would oftentimes try to hide whatever new cartoon I was watching because I was always afraid it was going to become another one that got banned shortly thereafter. Because you'd be amazed at how much speculation there is that whatever's about to happen is somehow the beginning of the end of the world. But you see, there are four main schools of thought that come up in regard to the end times. I just want to try to explain them quickly because they help to kind of show a bit about some of our strengths and our weaknesses about what we think and what we know regarding Christ coming back again. So, for example, historic premillennialism. That was one of the main schools of thought that has existed since Jesus had risen up into heaven and people were waiting for his coming. This idea says that the second coming of Jesus is going to come after the tribulation. So, it's this idea that the world is going to get worse and worse. We're going to go through a lot of suffering. And then Jesus is going to come back and inaugurate his reign. He's going to have this thousand-year reign that's going to make everything better. And then all things will be made new, the heavens and the earth and everything else. That's historic. However, less than about two centuries ago, there was a different way of thinking called dispensational premillennialism. This is the idea that the rapture and the second coming were not the same thing. The rapture would take all the Christians away. Then you'd have the tribulation. Then you'd have a second coming and then the millennial rule. So with that, that's become very, very popular in today's American and some you know, other countries' ways of thinking. But that way of looking at it has become actually what it is in the last two centuries. But another way of looking at the end times happened um, also, same time, but go back and forth between premillennial and postmillennial. Postmillennial is the idea that the events that are listed in Scripture, the things that we were looking for, already happened. So, for example, the idea of you know, the fall of Jerusalem and uh, looking at Nero as being you know, potentially the Antichrist at the time and you know, Antiochus Epiphanes IV and everything else is looking at events that happen in Scripture as something historical that has already occurred. 
And then with that, looking that the millennium, the reign of Jesus will happen in this world, that it's going to become a place that's going to be better and better the way that God desires. And then everything will be made new with the second coming. But a similar one to that is amillennial. Everything in scripture is connected to events that happen throughout history. There's not just one single person that we look back and say that is the Antichrist, but rather anyone and everyone who rejects Christ or denies his lordship is the Antichrist. There have been all sorts of speculations from uh, Nero to the Pope to any sort of leaders that we've had in the last century, all sorts of speculation. But on millennial, it's not saying that there is no millennium, but rather is the idea that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that that was the beginning of his reign. When Jesus said it is finished, that was the beginning. So not to be a literal thousand years, but rather an extended period of time. And that someday he will come again. Now, as you're looking at these different things, it might end up being kind of like, oh, great, my eyes are crossing, and I'm not sure what in the world about any of this, and why does anybody care sometimes? But what's amazing about each one of these is that they end up affecting how a church considers its place in the world and what its purpose and mission is supposed to be. See, when we look at the first three verses of 1 Thessalonians 5, okay, and it shows what are the things that we actually know. Notice it says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. What ends up happening among the Thessalonians is to create this idea that they were safe and secure in the Roman Empire that they lived in at that time. That things were okay. That as long as they were living in a sense of security and that everything was going the way it needed to, that was the point. That was the goal. But the problem was is that they were getting so complacent. They were getting to a point of thinking that nothing that they did really mattered anymore. They were just going back to their everyday life. So as we end up seeing this, we end up seeing there is peace and security, but then sudden destruction will come upon them. Because oftentimes, isn't it the times whenever destruction happens around us, whenever something goes wrong, when we're the most likely to wonder, did Jesus forget me? Did Jesus lose track of me? Why is it that he has not come back for me yet? We end up seeing over here this whole idea that we come up with all sorts of ideas on theology based on something where Paul was just telling people, stay focused on Christ, and whatever may come, he has not forgotten you. See, that's one of the things about this, is that all these different philosophies and ideas on things, they end up having different strengths and weaknesses. Now, some of the strengths and weaknesses are a little bit clearer than others. Okay? So, uh, for example, whenever we look at the premillennial point of view, it's a way of looking at specifically what is happening in the world around us and realizing that we are living in the world that Jesus spoke of. 
the things that happen around us, but also the things that happen in us and through us matter in the scheme of what God's plan is. But here's the downside of it. See, the way that we oftentimes look at it is this idea of I'm waiting for all these signs to happen and then I know that I'm going to get what it was that I wanted from God. We look at world events and it's like we're counting off little check marks, little check boxes. And so instead of pausing and saying, what am I supposed to be doing in the world? Oftentimes it can become like a spectator sport. This idea of just waiting and pointing and seeing, hey, I see everything happening around me. Well, that's great. And then not asking, how am I supposed to be a part of Christ's kingdom in it? With all the things that happen over in the Middle East today, is that so many people are just pointing and staring and saying, oh, hey, see, this is another thing off of the end time. So don't worry, Jesus is coming back for us soon. But then the very same people forget that we're still supposed to be bringing the gospel to everybody over there. This isn't something where the Jewish community somehow doesn't need to have the message of Christ. They need the message of Christ like we do, as do all of those around them who are their enemies as well. But by spending so much time apart from it, what we end up doing is we turn people into numbers or characters on a page instead of knowing that each and every one of them is meant to, be, to hear the gospel. Post-millennial, the strength about that one is the idea that the work that we do in this world onto God can actually make a difference. What we're doing here and now is meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is why it was so popular at times like the Gilded Age, the, the, the Roaring Twenties and the like, is the idea that if we're making the world better, isn't that something that God would be happy with? The downside is that it ends up making everything about God's transformation about our efforts. And it ends up making us into the ones who are instituting God's kingdom instead of Christ doing so. But on the amillennial side, which a lot of Lutherans fall into, the strength of it is realizing that God's work and God's will, God's kingdom, is meant to be lived out today. This isn't something where we just look for the world to come. No, we're meant to live out who we are in Christ today. He is changing the world today through us. We are his kingdom. But the downside? We're the ones who get complacent like the Thessalonians. And it's not just Lutherans. There are other churches that do the same thing. We get so caught up in taking everything from Scripture and just making symbolism out of it that we stop focusing on what Christ is calling us to in our world today. We somehow don't seem to think that the stories and the scriptures in there actually affect our lives today. We so easily get caught up in the imagery that we forget about the reality. See, that's the thing about this. Each one has its own strength and its own weakness. The question is, what do we actually know from all of these together? Well, in conclusion, stay alert and sober. For the record, all you Lutherans, yes, you are still allowed to have your beer. It's okay. But rather is to be able to say, 
are you actually focused on what Christ has called us to today? Do you actually believe that he is coming again for you, for me, for us? Are you actually looking toward what he is on his way to restore? Because the thing is, is that what, whichever of those boxes may be right, and it's probably somewhere in between, Jesus is coming back. So we follow him today. We put it off so often. You, like we make sure it's like, well, okay, we baptized our kids and we confirmed our teenagers and well, I mean, they're probably going to just get distracted for the next 10, 15 years, but hopefully they'll come back when they have their own kids and it'll be all right. Instead of realizing that wherever we are, each and every day, now is the day to follow Christ. But more than that, is that all people need Jesus and his grace today. Whatever may be happening, whether we're thinking about things that are happening overseas or even in our own nation today, it is so easy to just pick certain people as either the enemy or certain people as, well, that's, that's the real mission field over there. It's everyone. Everyone is meant to hear the gospel. And if we have missed any particular people group, then that means our job is not done. Third and finally, is that we can be filled today with hope for tomorrow. See, that's the whole point of what Paul was even writing this about. This wasn't trying to give you a secret clue if you could figure out when the end of the world is coming. It specifically said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, <laughs> you're not going to know the day or the time. It's not for you. This is not why I'm writing this to you. But rather is that there are times when we see the world around us falling apart. We see the struggles. We see so much that needs to be changed. But when those things happen, that doesn't need to take away our hope. We haven't been lost by God. He is still working in this world through us, and he is still yet to come. So for this day, for today, what is God calling you to do how is he calling you to live out the gospel? And how is he causing you to share it with others? Thanks be to God.